0: us. Good morning. How are you? That's good. It's good to see y'all this morning. Well, it's Palm Sunday and Good Friday is coming. Easter is coming, the day where we as Christ followers celebrate the death and then the resurrection of Christ, the restoration of humanity, the redemption of all mankind for the sins of the world. The blood is poured out over us. But to get there, we got to walk through a few things, and one of them is Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday, then we have Holy Week, then we have the Passover, then we have Good Friday. Then, I, like, I don't know if this is a spoiler alert, but then we have Resurrection Sunday. Yeah. kind of want to skip there, but there's a few things to get through. So today I want to cover some of the key texts that outline exactly what Palm Sunday is. What is the purpose and how is it pointing us or leading us to see, what is it pointing us or leading us to see in Jesus? Um, If you grew up in the church, I call it ultra church, depends on how far back you go. I'm talking 90s here. You might remember cantatas. Anybody remember cantatas? See, why don't we bring them back? Those are so great. So if you don't know, um, cantatas were like, if you're born and bred in the church, you are part of a cantata. Like you just, I'll show you a picture. This is, it's not embarrassing. I'm proud of myself, but yeah, that's, It's me and my sister. We had matching sandals. My mom made the outfit. It wasn't Joseph. That wasn't the the play we were in. This is Easter Cantata. And I was like, at that age, you're jacked. Like you're in this huge play. All the town came, we filled out the seats. It was a huge church and we packed the place out. But I had like, I was behind the scenes. I had green room experience. I got to talk to like Jesus, who was a guy I knew every, he was my Sunday school teacher, but it was special at Cantata. But it was such like, you can switch me out there, I can't look at that for too long, thanks Laurie. (laughs) It was such like an incredible event where the whole church got together and put on this beautiful play of either like Christmas or Easter. Easter was always a favorite, but there's this weird scene for a kid that's 10 years old trying to figure out what what is happening, because you just do what you're told. So I get in my wonderful, beautiful garment, matching my sister and we, we line the aisle way where Jesus comes down and if it was a good year and we got like a farmer, we had a mule. Like some of you are like, oh yeah, we always had animals. Sometimes we didn't. Sometimes we had a mule and we would watch Jesus come down and our role as a kid would be like praising Hosanna, waving the big palm fronds. Little side note, today we wanted them. Muskoka, it's hard to get palm fronds in the winter. And even if we did, they would crackle and die before we got out of the car because of this nonsense outside. So we, we... other churches had palm fronds. We had them, we were waving them, we were cheering, shouting, Hosanna. And then this weird thing happened and trying to understand it as a kid, it's like, okay, in a half hour time, I came back, I'm on the same aisle, but I'm hurling styrofoam rocks and fake spitting and yelling, crucify him. And I was like, a 10 year old, how is this possible? I didn't even change outfits. I'm not a different character. I'm the, the same person that like at the start, I'm saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, and it's the same actor, Jesus, and then just a short bit later, this same Jesus walking down the same aisle in the same character shouting, crucify him, crucify him. It's a difficult thing to understand. So let's talk about Palm Sunday, the first part of that scene. Here's where we are in the Gospels. Jesus is well-known in his ministry, really well-known. Anybody that's well-known is both loved and hated. He's done countless miracles, most Recently was raising the dead and Lazarus, which is very well known. everyone would have known about it. He had gotten some serious press about that. His name is out there. Pharisees are angry. they don't like how we're starting to spin this. Other people, the Jews are curious what is what is happening what's Jesus saying? What is he talking about at this time he's more or less won the favor of the Jewish people because you got to understand they're on they're underneath Roman like enslavement somewhat, like the Romans are just crushing them, and so they're so desperate to come out from under Rome, they're actively looking for a Messiah. Jesus has been doing things the last few years, and the last few weeks specifically has really come out as a healer, an America worker, maybe he's being called rabbi or teacher, and they're willing to give up this kingship to him. Like they want this Messiah here because they're oppressed and they want to come out of this. So they are willing to. And Jesus, we kind of see for the first time, he's starting to accept this proclamation. He's starting to put it out there saying, I am king. And you, you see like earlier on in the text, you'll see that there are some times where um, his followers are trying to get him to accept the kingship so he can move forward. And he's like, it's not my time. And he kind of runs and flees and where he's healing people. And he says, don't go tell them who did this. But now Christ is doing something different. Now he knows his time has come and he's gonna begin something different. The new king is being offered the Jewish throne and it's not something that was previously allowed. He had veiled who he was in some aspects. So now that's where we're at, the beginning of Holy Week. Holy Week, as, as we call it, it's, it's, um, it's a, week, a heavy, heavy week of ministry. In fact, if you look at, if you look at the, the Gospels, you'll see like a third of Matthew, a third of Mark is all about this like last week before the cross. Even a half of John is about that last week. So 33 years of Christ and there's a lot of emphasis on this last week of ministry. In fact, I'm gonna read a, a few things that happened in this final week of ministry and you'll probably recognize some of it. I can't list them all. There's a lot there and we don't have all the time. So we have Jesus flipping the tables in the temple. We have his authority being challenged publicly by the Pharisees about Caesar and his place. We have loads of teaching and much prophecy about his own impending death. We have him washing the disciples' feet and the significant teaching there as well. We have the Passover, we have the Last Supper, we have Jesus' arrest, which we'll all get to next week. As as a youth pastor, I've had some heavy weeks in ministry. seems like a really heavy week in ministry. There's a lot going on in that week. There's a lot of stuff, in fact, so big that we're talking in this week, some of the most earth-shaking, life-changing things that have ever happened in the history of humanity happens in this week. It's loaded. At Christmas, we celebrate the advent of Messiah. When we say advent, it's just literally, the definition is the arrival of a notable person. We celebrate the advent of the coming Messiah, and the Jews didn't see it then. They didn't see what they wanted. They were waiting for a different king, but Jesus came as a humble infant, And then now in this Advent, we have the Advent 33 years later of the same king walking into the city of David, into Zion, to take his place as king. More prophecy is being fulfilled, but it's not the same way they expected. A little bit different this morning. If you open your Bibles with me to Mark 11, just before we play this, I'm just going to pray and then we're going to watch Mark 11 be acted out a little bit. Jesus, thank you for this morning. Jesus, thank you for your good word that you would direct us. Jesus, thank you for just just this time where we had to worship and praise together. We could take communion together. We, We could celebrate the death and resurrection. God, this morning as we pause and listen to your word, may it impact us in a way we did not expect. May we be more in love with you, Jesus, after this morning than we were when we came in. Amen. If you can just watch the screen, we'll watch Mark 11, 1 to 11.
1: They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, what are you doing, untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father, David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve.
0: Thanks. They may not want to hear me, but they don't get a choice. Um, that was just word for word from Mark 11, 1 to 11. So this is a day where Jesus is boldly, boldly proclaiming that he is the Son of God, the Son of God, also a prophetic name, that he is the King, that he is Messiah. We know this because that's what gets him killed in a few days from this time. If we could look at the scene, most of us being Canadians specifically and understanding things through a Canadian lens would look at this and think, that's probably a bit of an odd coronation. I don't watch The Crown because it's not on pure flicks, but if you ever watch The Crown, coronations look very different in our day and age. There's thousands of soldiers, there's the Queen's Guard, there's marching bands and trumpets and beating drums. There's great white stallions with battle armor as the king and or queen come in through the scene and it's, it's just different than a couple of Jews and a donkey. It just seems different. I'm sure if anybody here, if I asked, if I did a little survey, what would you choose? What animal would you choose to ride in for your coronation? Very few would choose donkey. I said I would probably choose a bear. I asked Pastor Matt and he said a great white shark. I asked him how that would happen. And he said he doesn't know it'd be pretty. It wouldn't be pretty, but it'd be majestic. This coronation is just completely different. It's just different. It's not something that we would expect. In fact, John MacArthur he calls it the false coronation of a of a true king because everything seems a little bit backwards. So there's this part at the start about a donkey, and and we could easily just read it, move past it. They have donkeys in the Middle East. That makes sense. We could move on, but we shouldn't. We should stop and always, when we read Scripture, understand things in context and in culture. So we're going to stop and pause for a minute because there are things we could miss that we shouldn't miss that we got to cling to here. So I want to read something to you from 550 years before Christ from the prophet Zechariah. If you're really good with your Bible, you can find it, but it's just a little fella, so you got to go backwards to Zechariah 9.9. Zechariah 9.9 says this, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he humble and mounted on a donkey, on the colt, the foal of a donkey. We're going to go backwards even more. Let's go 1,500 years before that to Genesis 49, 10 to 11. This is another text you have to understand that the Jews knew this. They understood. They were taught this. This is what they knew. This says, 49, 10 to 11 says, "'The scepter shall not depart from Judah, "'nor the ruler's staff from between his feet "'until tribute comes to him, "'and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples.'" Listen here, "'Binding his foal to the vine "'and his donkey's colt to the choice vine, "'he washes his garments in wine "'and his robes in the blood of grapes.'" This passage from Genesis, while a little bit more obscure, not as clear as Zechariah, that's where we get the term the Lion of Judah. This is the image of the Lion of Judah coming in on a donkey. And from that day forward, from this text forward, the Jews have called the coming Messiah the Lion of Judah. To be clear, when the Jews saw what Jesus was doing, they understood what he was saying. They knew their text and they understood what he was doing. Not only were they watching him heal, raise from the dead, raise people from the dead watching him do miracles, watching him speak out against what the current belief system was with the Pharisees, they would have watched him getting on a donkey and riding towards Jerusalem and said, that is significant. It's significant. They respond with joy. Before we get into that, let's go, let's go to verse two here. Back to Mark 11, verse two, it says, go into the village in front of you. And immediately as you enter, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it, and and we will send it back here immediately. Again, to get an understanding of this, we've got to step a little deeper into culture because we can just be like, okay, it's never been sat on. He knew where a colt. It is kind of neat that he just knew there was a colt there and he knew someone would stop them and ask him about it. But there's something more to it. We can't bypass that. So in the ancient world, there was a, a, a concept of um, ownership of the king. So anytime a king needed specifically a beast of burden or donkey or a mule, the king could at any point go and commandeer for his own use or to hold the weight of the king. He could go and take anyone's beast of burden. That was a well-known thing. It's a little bit like imminent domain today that a, a king could come at that time and take a beast of burden. So Jesus is actually taking and commandeering a beast of burden. He's being, he's being very clear about it. He has said very specifically and clearly, he said, tell them the Lord has need of it. He is stepping out and saying, I am the Lord and I am commandeering this beast of burden. It will carry the weight of the king. It goes a little bit further. It says, notice the line, it says, on which no one has ever sat. This is fascinating. Jewish people considered horses or donkeys that have never been ridden on, especially suited or set aside for holy purposes. So a horse or a mule or a donkey that has never been ridden is set aside to be used for a holy purpose. So Jesus in kind of like two small things is saying, not only am I commandeering that that beast of burden, I am calling myself king to you, whoever's listening. Secondly, I'm using this for a holy purpose. That's fascinating. He's claiming to be king and he's claiming to be holy. So then Jesus gets on his donkey, and as per the prophecy of Zechariah, begins his procession into the city of David, into Zion, and now we have the crowd asking this question, okay? We probably have the crowd wondering this. We have two parts, full believers, partial believers, haters. This question is going to be out there. We're going to put it up here. It's going to say, who is Jesus? Who is this Jesus? Who is he claiming to be with this act? Who is Jesus claiming to be with this action, and what are the implications in my life? What the Jews are wondering. In fact, I would argue, two thousand years later, that's what we're still asking. One of the greatest names in the history of the world that has been used to shake generations and generations of people—the name Jesus Christ. Who is this Jesus? And who does Jesus, according to Scripture, who does he claim to be? And according to that claim, and according to who he is, if if that is true, what are the implications in your life? To the Jews 2,000 years ago, to the Gentiles 2,000 years ago, to you today, what are the implications of that in your life? Well, how do they respond? Look at verse 7. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it. And he sat on it, and they spread their cloaks on the road, and they spread leafy branches that they cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed him were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. How did they respond? They did what they would do if there was a new king. So if there's a new king in those days, they would cut off palm branches and they would, actually they would do two things. Sorry, I went a little fast. They would actually lay down their cloaks, similar to a red carpet. They would take out their outer garments as a new king would come in and they would lay them down in front of them so he would walk in to royalty. So the Jews there taking off their cloaks were saying, welcome our new king. The second thing they did in those days was when there was a victorious king coming in from battles, they would wave their palm branches and say, king is victorious, the king is victorious. The Jews are responding to Jesus' very specific words and actions in a way that is calling him king, in a way that is calling him victorious. And then they do this. They shout, Hosanna. We sang that this morning, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he, who comes in the name of the Lord. R.C. Sproul says this, this is the very first, I just think this is fascinating, this is the very first worship song ever sung to King Jesus. Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna literally translated is just this, save, I pray. Save, save me. Like you can, you can, you can feel like this, this tension, the Jews are just so oppressed. So under this this rule of Roman authority, and they have this hope, this like little spark of hope of this this Messiah that's done all these things, that's doing these things, and now is saying these things, and he's he's fulfilling prophecy, and he's riding in on a donkey, and we know we're we're expecting that, we're expecting to see this, and they just like call out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, save us. You can hear the desperation, you can hear the joy I remember the joy when I said it under the curse of the law, not not under Romans, but under the curse of sin, I found myself like broken and under the the curse. And I was like, Jesus, save me, Hosanna. And I had the same joy and the same, like the same depth of my heart crying out, Hosanna, please come save me. And in Galatians 3.13, it says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming the curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So the, the Jews are calling out, Hosanna, save us. Save us, we pray. I called out, save us, we pray. For those of us who know Christ, we called out, seeing our sinful nature. We're like, yeah, we were sin, we were sinful. And then Jesus comes and does this thing that nobody else can do, and he just redeems and restores. And we call out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And and then Jesus, on this day, as he's walking into Jerusalem, as he's beginning this week, this holy week, he's walking towards his death. He's walking towards this torture. He's walking towards this, this cost that nobody else can pay. And he just does it humbly, riding on a donkey. To become the curse for me. Jesus was gonna do far, far more than free us from the Romans. He's gonna do far, far more for us than anybody could ever expect. He was gonna walk and free the entirety of mankind from their sin, from the curse of the law, that we, we can't do that. I can't do that, but Jesus comes and he just begins, on this holy week, begins his procession. Palm Sunday, this picture of Jesus just taking up his crown in a way that just didn't make sense. He's stating by tradition, he states by prophecy, and he states by a title that he is the right to be king over all of mankind. Palm Sunday is just the beginning stages of this this final ministry, the last requirements of his work of redemption, and that everything at this point, everything, the history of the world is about to change. The trajectory of all things are going to change because of Jesus, and and you'll even see people, as my little character did, we, we sing Hosanna, Hosanna, and just a short amount of time, it's crucify, crucify. What changed? They went from blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord to cries and screams of hate. The King, the Messiah, the promised Lamb had come, but like prophecy says in Isaiah, the lamb would be led, or he would be led like a lamb to slaughter. King Jesus has come. King Jesus is here, just as he promised. Crazy that just as they had waited, he fulfills all the needs. Jesus the Messiah has come. Listen, behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation as he humble and mounted on a donkey, on the colt, the foal of a donkey. This is, this is the moment and people's first response. is just to cry out, Hosanna, come save us. Save us, we pray, save us. I love this, the same story in a different gospel if you're reading through Luke. We have Jesus walking and we have these people crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna, and then you have the Pharisees come in and they, they like pull, you can kind of see it, they pull Jesus aside. You saw it on the video and they're like, what is he thinking? And they say, Jesus, teacher, rebuke your followers for saying things like this. Because you're saying, Messiah, save us. And they're like, rebuke them. Jesus, just haymaker. Listen to this response. Jesus' response, is, this is so sweet, he says, I tell you, even if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Wow. The stones would cry out, Hosanna. Even if they were all silent, all of creation will groan and cry out for Jesus. He's the Messiah, he's the only rescuer. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then this week we see Jesus, and this week do some of his greatest work. And then we see on Friday, we see the greatest sacrifice the world will ever know. Then on Sunday, we see the greatest victory the greatest victory that will sustain us. We'll talk about that next week. I just want to jump on it now, but I can't. Our Messiah has come. Our king our King is conquered, our salvation is here, and we sing Hosanna in a way that just means this. Listen, there's two of us, there's two types of people here, those who know Christ and accepted Christ and said, you're my king. When we say Hosanna, we're remembering that we need to be saved, that we needed to be saved, and we're like, praise God, you've saved us, Hosanna, save us. We pray, thank you. And then there's some of us here who don't know the saving work of Jesus Christ, how he can redeem and restore you from the worst part of your heart. And I'm praying that some of you this morning will consider looking at the picture of the Messiah and say, can he, can he redeem me? Can he restore me? The answer is yes. But then you're got to ask these questions. I need you to ask these questions of yourself. Who is this Jesus? Who does he claim to be? And what are the implications? If Jesus is who he says he is, what are the implications on my life? As the worship team comes up, we sing in victory knowing that the true coronation has done. Jesus is sitting at the right-hand side of the Father. But there is another riding into town coming. It's not going to be a donkey this time. And this donkey is just like, like, if you came in on a lion, you think conquering, like vicious conquering, but Jesus came in as this donkey almost as though there's a peace behind it. Like there's this prince, this king of peace that's coming. But listen, in Revelation 9, 19, 11 to 15, we see a different coming into town on a different animal. Let me read this. Christ on a white horse. 11 says this, Now I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse. And he who sat on it was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns and he had a name written on it that no one knew except himself and he was clothed with a robe dipped in blood and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean followed him on white horses and out of his mouth comes a sharp sword that he would strike the nations and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. Our Jesus is coming. Praise God he came and we've read the back of the book, we know what's gonna come. And because of that church, we sing Hosanna. We can sing, save us, we pray because we've been saved. And for those who need it, please, this morning, sing out Hosanna. Like sing out Jesus, save me. Watch him rescue you. Stand up with me together as we close in prayer and as we prepare our hearts to sing Hosanna like we have never sung it before. Jesus, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus, save us, I pray. God, I am so thankful that it is done. That death has no victory here. I'm so thankful that you have come. I'm so thankful that you've redeemed me and I I was deemed unredeemable. But by your goodness and your grace and your faithfulness, when I call out, Hosanna, you will save. Jesus, I pray our, our church here at different areas of life would ask this question, who is this Jesus? Who are you claiming to be? And what are the implications of that in my life? God, you're so good. I pray as we sing, Hosanna, you accept that. We love you, amen. Let's sing, Hosanna. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. What a sweet week to think about the weight of Christ and what he's done. To prepare our hearts for Good Friday, to see a sacrifice that no other has ever seen, and then just to rejoice in the sweetness of the resurrection place all of my hope on it. All of it. It all goes under the hope of the resurrection. Behold, your king is coming to you righteous and having salvation is he. Listen this morning, if you're wrestling with that and you're not sure where you stand with Jesus, please don't leave here. Stop and talk to us. I'll sit at the front. We have some elders here that will come and we'll just pray with you. We'll talk to you. We'll love you. For those of you who know Christ, walk out of here shouting Hosanna. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that we leave here knowing more about you, loving you more than we did when we came in. Jesus, we thank you that we're redeemed, we're saved, we're restored. All the good words that I can think of, you've done it. I can't and I haven't, but you have. So thankful for you, Jesus. So thankful for this, this weight of ministry, this, this next week of ministry that you experienced, God, that, it, that, that in this week, the, the earth, the world, all humanity changes because of what you've done. Hallelujah to Jesus. Amen. Church, you're loved. If you want to stay around, we'd love to pray with you. If you'd like to ask more, we'd love to meet with you. Please leave here saying, Hosanna. And God has saved us.